joke. <laughs> I can't. Y'all, right now, I was over there, and I'm just beaming. I know she said tithes and offerings and goody good stuff, and I'm just like, oh, that's my baby. <laughs> God's so good, y'all. Mm. What a blessing to see your kids walk in who God's called them to be. I could, like, call the service off right now, and it would be such a good day. Uh, this is a good day. It's a good message. God's had this on my heart for a while. So I'm excited to have the opportunity to share it with you. And I'm just going to tell you right now, make sure you're expecting. You know, we say this again and again, but God's had this just ruminating on my spirit. And I assure you, if you get a hold of this, your life will change, not because it's something that I'm delivering, not because it's been ruminating in my spirit for a while, but because it's God and his anointing is on it and his blessing is on it. So expect to receive, expect not just to have a message preached at you. If you're here to get a message preached at you, you're going to walk out with a message preached to you and not much more. Expect to receive anointed wisdom that is called to raise you up to new levels. Expect to walk out today with your eyes open to that revelation that's like, it's been there the whole time. You know, it's like when God was pouring this in on me, I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, no, 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 get it. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, get it. I'm like, okay. So I stopped and I quieted everything. Remember I said the other day, it's important in worship to just sit down and shut up. And it's like sometimes when you, you sit down and you get something, it's like you're getting it, but your brain's just going, which is what mine does a whole lot because, you know, Abigail was the barista this morning, and the same espresso she had. I had an espresso shot in my coffee, so she wasn't joking. Like, both of us are just like. I walked out, and she's like, I'm feeling it. And I was like, really? I'm not. And then about six minutes later, I was like, ding. I'm feeling it. You know, so sometimes slowing our minds down can feel easier said than done. But about the time God told me, there's something about that third time, you know. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this. So I sat down, and I shut up my mind, and I'm like, Lord, this was here the whole time? He's like, I've been trying to tell you, sweetie. Just bless your heart. God is southern, y'all. He is the blesser. <laughs> it's a good day. So the title of this message is set your sight. What happens when someone, like growing up, I'm sitting at the TV, and this was pre-ninth grade, so I'm sitting at the TV, and I'm doing this. And mama and daddy and aunts, uncles, are you mad? I'm like, no then why are you glaring at that TV like that, just mean? I'm like, I'm not. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, obviously, eventually, my parents are like, I think she's got problems seeing. <laughs> it's like V8 moment. And uh, went, got eyes checked out. Lo and behold, stigmatism. Put on glasses, and it's like, that TV is clear. All this time, I thought we needed a new TV, and it was me. 
You put on glasses, and the whole world changes. It's like when Abigail got glasses. Y'all, I felt like a heel. Abigail got glasses for the first time, and she's like, I can see definition in the trees. I can see the leaves from all the way back here. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, like, robbed her of the beauty of trees for so long. But you put on glasses, and you can see things clearly now. The rain is gone. It's the same way when we look through Jesus, right? When we look through the lens of the heart of Christ, you see things so differently. If you will, turn to Colossians 3, 1 through 4. New living is what I'm reading these two. Most of mine are NASB, but the first two are going to be new living. Just to shake things up, keep you on your toes. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sight on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven. Y'all, this is a command. Think about the things of heaven and not what? Not the things of the earth. You know, people will tell you, oh, well, it's just normal to worry about this. New moms, you know, Holly and Becca, people are going to come up to y'all. It's just normal to worry about your baby. Hogwash. No, it ain't. I'm going to think about the things of heaven. What's the things of heaven? Goodness, mercy, grace, perfection, life and life in abundance. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life. Y'all heard me talk before. What happens if you go to a funeral and you kick a corpse? Is he going to jump up and like throat punch you? Why? He's dead. Y'all, I had to test my flesh this week. I know some of y'all saw my post on Facebook. I had to test my flesh. Verizon done went and messed up one of my employees' orders. Would not return my phone call. Would not answer my email. And I'm like, the Lord God is with me. Not by power, not by might, but by shutting my mouth and let Jesus talk. So I picked up the phone. Five calls. One person actually hung up on me. And y'all, I was sweet. And I mean, I know I got sass. But I purposed myself because I felt the redhead running through my veins. So I like extra pushed and forced myself to walk in the spirit this day and I was pleasant on the phone praying in tongues in my spirit but pleasant on the phone five calls so I finally got a hold of somebody that knew what their name was and I could actually understand I had to see how dead is Nicole's flesh and I pleasantly report, I had not one thing to repent of. The fact that I have to tell you that is because that's not always been the case. <laughs> what was it? Abigail, Rachel did something. Oh, Rachel was talking about her friend the other day. And Abigail looks and goes, she's a redhead, isn't she? I'm like, what do you mean? She said, look at yourself. I don't have to explain it. All right, I digress. Y'all, I told you, because if, I'm, if I'm going too fast, just tell me slow down, espresso moment, and I'll try to dial it back. 
For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Because when you set your sights on Christ and you've killed the flesh, they see Christ flowing through you. So when he's revealed to the whole world and he is glorified, you, a part of his body, are glorified with him. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, New Living says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Other translations say the author and finisher of our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, what did Jesus do? He set his sight. He set his sight on things above, not on the things of heaven. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross and completely disregarded the shame. He didn't care about his reputation. He didn't care about what his neighbors would think of him, what his mama, grandpappy would think of him. He set his sight. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. But y'all, he ain't just sitting there like a head in a seat. What's he got? What's, what's below the head? Who's the body? Aren't you glad that he set his sight? That he didn't worry about the shame? Everybody's like, you can't do that. Don't you know what they're going to do to you? They'll rip you apart. They'll tar and feather you. Don't you know what they'll say about your mama? Think about your mama. He didn't think about his mama. He didn't think about his own hide. He thought about you. He set his sight. It says, because of the joy awaiting him. What was that joy, y'all? You. You were the joy awaiting him. You see, he was in heaven before. He was with God before. He physically left God for the finish line, the goal of obtaining you. You were his joy. He focused on you instead of the beating that he was about to have. He focused on you instead of the stripping that he was about to have. Y'all, he was butt naked in front of everybody. Beaten. Unrecognizable. But he saw you, and that made it worth it. He set his sight. When we set our sight, there's nothing we can't do. You know, I'm convinced because you know Satan did this to God, did this to Jesus. He took him out in the wilderness. He did it through the flapping of people's jaws. You know, he's constantly wanting to be in our ears. Me, 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 It's like a, you know, nagging nut. All he wants to do is distract you. He'll send a bill at just the wrong time. Y'all, look, let me tell you what's happened. Since Pastor left, well, like the weekend before Pastor left, y'all, I don't remember the last time I've been that sick. 
I know some of y'all saw me walk in here Sunday, and I purposefully stayed back there until meet and greet was over, so because, you know, not all Sharon is Karen, and I kept my cooties to myself. And then I came out here, and if I looked the way I felt, I felt like walking death. Like, I can't remember the last time I felt so bad. When? Right before he leaves to go take the nation of Gabon, to go take the nation of Nigeria. Then he leaves, and Ellie Mae Envoy just decides she's going to mess up, and I have to take her to the car shop. I named my truck. I pray for that truck. I named my truck. Have to take her to the shop. $900 later. Then Marky comes home. Marky uses a car that we bought for you know, ministry purposes, so if anybody in the church needed a car, we could loan them one. So Marky uses our other car, and she came, comes in. Well, Johnny and Paul said that my car's like leaning as I'm driving. I don't know what it is. I'm like, oh, heck, no. Nah. Like, I called Pastor about the $900 issue because that's a big chunk of change. I'm like, uh-uh. I'm not distracting him with another big bill. So I texted Johnny and Holly, and I said, Johnny, Marky says this. I need to know, A, do I need to call and have it checked out right away? And B, what do you think this price tag is going to look like? So he told me what he thought, and he said, it's something that can wait. I said, wonderful. It's going to wait. Because there's not going to be a bill to distract my husband from preaching the gospel. And look, he's strong enough to shake it off, but why even have to deal with it? He's there with a purpose. Souls is his purpose. Not figuring out moving money from savings, not calling the bank and say she's going, you know, Nicole's going to go spend this big chunk of change. I promise it's not shoes and pocketbooks. It's legit. Like he don't even need to think of it. I've had people in the church call with this problem or that problem. I ain't called pastor about a bit. Why? Because it's a distraction tool. That's all the enemy does. He wants to distract you and deceive you. Why? Because if you're busy looking at the lies in the enemy's hands, you won't see the freedom of truth laying in the hands of God. We've got to set our sights. So that all we see is what's in the hands of God. When Marky came home and said the car, all I saw were the souls in Africa. I didn't care about what Satan was saying. Oh, what if it gets worse? You never know. She could break down the side of the road. Well, everywhere you go in Albemarle is eight minutes away from the house. So in eight minutes, I can go rescue her. Be gone. Set your sight on the things of heaven. Your relationship with Jesus, your fellowship with him is all that matters. 2 Peter 1.3 tells us, seeing, seeing that his divine power has granted. Is this mean he's, does this mean he's going to do it? Past tense, I mean, it's done, done, y'all. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything. That means some things, just a little bit of things. I'll pay for one car bill, but honey, I'm not going to pay for two. Mm -mm. It says everything pertaining to life 
and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Why does that say the true knowledge? You know, the enemy is very tricky in what he does. He does the same thing again and again. He's figured out what works with people and what worked the very first time. He went to Eve and he told her a little bit of truth and a little bit of untruth. But because she didn't know all the truth, because she didn't focus on the truth that she knew, she instead chose to focus on the twisted lie. We've got to know the true knowledge. You've got to know him inside and out, intimately, like a husband knows a wife. You need to know your Lord and Savior intimately. Know his voice. Know his thoughts. Know his pattern, the way he walks, the way he talks. How do you know it? The word of God. It's easy. We get in the word. We hear what he says. Know him. Know the true knowledge. Because like we said in Hebrews 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith. This means he gave you that mustard seed of faith. And as you keep your eyes on him, he is so good to perfect it. We're all growing. We've all got that mustard seed of faith. I don't care who you are. Jeffrey Dahmer had a mustard seed of faith. Hitler had a mustard seed of faith. The issue was they didn't take that faith and focus it on Jesus. But when we take it and we set our sights, he perfects it. He makes it glorious. So what does setting our sight mean? The looking is active. It's not passive. Let me give you an example of this. If you see me in a store, I don't care what store, any store. I'm not a shopper. Ask Barrett, ask Abby and EO. I'm not a shopper. This is where my girliness, it don't match up. Because if I'm in a store, I'm on a mission from God. Get exactly what I need and get out. This is why if you see me in a store, I may look at you and look right through you. Because I see you passively. Because I am going to the mark of the exit door. My looking towards the exit is purposed. My looking at you is passive. I may look and there's Paige, but it don't register until probably two weeks later. Did I see her at the store? I had a co-worker came to me one day and said he and his uh, wife were getting separated. And, of course, you know, when you're going through separation or you're going through a hard time, the enemy is very loyal to whisper all kinds of junk in your head. Well, him and his wife are going through a divorce, and I knew her, you know, not like we weren't friends, but acquaintances. I knew her if I saw her out and about. And uh, apparently I saw her at the store, only I didn't. And so she called, and she's like, I don't know what you're saying at work because I saw Nicole, and she didn't even speak to me. I know you're talking trash. And he's like, did you see my wife? I'm like, no. Well, she, she said she saw you at the store, and you were at the checkout counter, and this is what you were wearing. I was like, oh, I did wear that. I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't see. 
That's passive looking. You've got to be purposed in your looking. As hard as I'm looking for the exit, we got to be looking at Jesus. Looking to Jesus implies looking away from everything else, shutting out the consideration of anything that is not him. It's like that day when I sat over here feeling like death warmed over. I didn't allow my feelings to have a say. Because for me, I wait all week to go to Diddy's house. Satan's lies and attack is not going to keep me from getting in here and worshiping my king and fellowshipping with his body and praising his holy name. You see, when we have options, it's because we've not set our sights. It's, it's going in the store and seeing six pairs of shoes and deciding which one you're going to get. But when there's no other options, you look and it's Jesus or bust. Like, I don't see anything else. I see Jesus. There's no other options. So much of the world is looking for all the reasons not to. Oh, I got a sniffle. I really don't need to be around people. I think I'll stay home. Turn on the game. Oh, a lady shopping trip. I'm going to go with my mom and my sister on the shopping trip. I'm sorry I can't go and help serve. If only we didn't have this. There's no other option. Yeah, I mean, that's like today. I got an event at 1 o'clock, an hour and a half away from here. It would be very easy for me to say, okay, to be there at 1 on time, and anybody that really knows me knows I like to be on time. Like, in my way of thinking, if you're on time, you're already late. You need to be everywhere five minutes early. So for me to be somewhere on time that's an hour and a half away, I really need to be leaving at like 11.15. And I esteem this event because it's pouring love into people. It would be so easy for me to say, you know, God is sending me to go love on people. I'm sorry, I can't be at church this morning because I'm going to go be the hands and feet. Here's the problem, though. If I don't come and get filled up and be where God's called me to be on Sunday mornings, I'm not going to be any use to them. I am going to be late. And y'all, when this is over, I'm going to hightail it out of here because I do esteem the events, because I esteem the opportunity to love on people. But Jesus first. It's all that matters. There's no other option for me. Sunday morning, where's Brian and Nicole? At church. Oh, what are they doing on the weekend? They're preparing for church. No other option. Looking, setting your sights means looking earnestly, fixing the full and earnest attention upon him. What is earnest looking like? Y'all want to see earnest looking. Be at Charlotte Douglas International Airport on Friday at 2.45. Pastor Plain gets in at 3. Um, my, my behind is leaving here at 1.30. I'm going to park my car. I'm going to be inside the baggage claim. And the escalator is going to be right here. This is going to be me, earnestly looking. There ain't going to be any of this you know, leaving here at 2 and just, you know, pulling up to where the people come out to the sidewalk and hop in the car. Nah, that ain't happening. 
I've been away from my man for one month. It ain't going to be any of this. Get in the car. Hey, honey. Uh-uh. No, I am earnestly awaiting Friday. And I am earnestly going to be sitting in that baggage claim and looking. And I'm going to be doing this. Does that look like his shoes? Because then I'm going to see him. And I'm going to take hold of him. And I'm going to plant my lips upon his face. I'm going to wrap my arms around his neck. I'm going to be grinning from ear to ear. You can't do that sitting at a curb. But how many of us pull up to the curb for a drive through message throughout the week? Instead of coming in here earnestly awaiting to wrap our arms around our king. Planting our love and worship upon him. That's earnestly looking for him. That is earnestness. It applies looking to him in dependence. Think about, when I wrote this, I was thinking of an old brother. Old brother, where art thou? Guy goes, we're in a tight spot. Well, what happens if somebody gets in a tight spot and the only way out is to swim across the river? Well, y'all know, rivers don't do this. Rivers do this. And there's force and there's current. But his only way out is to swim across. Now, he's got to get in. He's got to take a step. He's got to put forth some action. But then he is going to depend upon the power of God to give him the strength to swim across the current instead of flow with the current. Because his way out is not going down the river to the cliff. It's going across. Jesus says, set your sight on me. I'll take you across. It's fully depending upon him. Not upon yourself. If dude depends upon himself, he's going to get tired about four lap or four strokes in because the current is pushing him. And he's trying to go this way, but the current is pushing him, and he's going to get tired. I don't work out to swim across a river. I don't work out at all, y'all. Shock and all. I need Jesus to get me across that river. It's depending upon him. But when our sight is on him, there's nothing we can't do. Yeah, I heard a story about a pastor of a church, and it was a fairly big church. And the pastor was saying, no matter what the day looked like, and y'all know with the small church, medium church, big church, it's all the same. Every Sunday has things that feel the same, but every Sunday is different because it's full of people. And we're all different. We all have our good days. We all have our bad days. And the pastor was saying, no matter what happened, this older lady, he started to call her mother, and just at a term of endearment, this old lady sat in her seat every Sunday, smiling, and every service, at some point or another, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Not to get attention on her, not disruptive, but just in praise. And the pastor went up to her and said, Mother, I've got to ask you a question. He said, some Sundays I come in here with nothing to give. 
and you praise God. Some Sundays, the worship team is off key. They miss their mark, and you're praising Jesus. Some Sundays, I see people walk past you, don't even greet you, and yet you praise Jesus. Why are you always so happy? Why are you always praising him? I know every week for you doesn't go good. I know your life. She said, oh, honey, I agree. There are some Sundays you have nothing to give me. She said, and there are some Sundays that I don't think they can sing a lick. But I didn't come to see you. She said, I came to see Jesus. I didn't come to praise the worship team. I came to praise my Jesus. So on those Sundays when y'all were off, I just look past you and I still see my Jesus. What are you here for? Not just here at Boomerang this morning. What are you here for? You're not here to see people. You're not here to listen to Pastor Brian, Paul, Barrett, Nicole, Abby, EO. You're not here to hear any of us preach. You're here to see Jesus. You have a purpose. Matthew 28 says, Go, 28:19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What are disciples? It's those disciplined for God, right? Well, how do you make a disciple if you yourself are not disciplined? You know, Barrett and I wanted to learn about healthy eating. I'm one that I don't think you should do a diet because, I mean, it's got the word die right in there. You know, <laughs> I don't want a diet. I want to find a healthy lifestyle that's going to give me life, not die. You know, well... My life is not normal. You know, some people get up early. They got time to do this and do that and exercise and, you know, meal prep for 12 weeks out and, you know, everything. I get up and I never know what my morning's going to look like. Some, you know, I get up for prayer each morning. And sometimes before I can even get started in prayer, the phone is blowing up. And then I work a full-time job, three kids. The phone is usually going off throughout the day. I'll take, you know, Potty breaks, and I'm like checking my phone, doing messages. On my lunch hour, it's usually hiding in a room somewhere and answering ministry calls. And then I come home, and there's usually counseling or something set up for Pastor and I. So it's like Pastor and I tend to fit 28 hours and 24 each day. So I need to know what kind of a lifestyle can I eat that gives life? How do I... I don't want to live to eat. I just want to eat to live. But how do I do that with our schedule? Well, I'm not a disciple in this area. I could care less. If you ask me where I want to go eat, I'm going to tell you I don't care because I don't. Now, obviously, I like food. I mean, but to make a choice, I don't care. So what did I do? Barrett and I went and found somebody discipled 
in healthy eating. While we were at your retirement dinner, we hogged your friends. We took Bobby and Candy and we hogged their time at Phil's retirement party. And we pulled out of them anything that we could on healthy eating, on what to eat, what not to eat, what to drink, what not to drink. Y'all, they even told me I had to give up my Duke's mayonnaise. And you know for the South, sweet tea and Duke's mayonnaise is life down here, y'all. And they told me I got to give them up both, not just one. I got to give them both up. Right? I know. I just rocked y'all's world. I'm so sorry. <sighs> y'all, I had to pray. It took me a while to get over this revelation. And I'm telling you, even to today, like I went to the grocery store. What day was it? I don't know. I went to the grocery store the other day. And I went down the aisle in Walmart that's got the olives because they said I could have olives. Hallelujah. But would you know that on the same aisle with the olives in the Walmart is the mayonnaise? And I went and I just slowed down and I looked and I'm like, I know Mr. Bobby said there was a mayonnaise I could have. But it ain't Duke's. It ain't mayonnaise. And I just sped up and walked on out. Mm. Y'all, it was world-changing for me. I'm not even kidding. I grieved. It says, weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. Y'all are mourning with me right now. (laughs) But point being, I was not a disciple in the ways of healthy eating. So I went and found somebody that had disciplined themselves, that had become a disciple and I picked their brain for everything they had. If they hadn't disciplined themselves, what would I have gotten from them? I would have gotten stuff that made me feel good because they probably would have said, go ahead and have your sweet tea. It's okay every now and then. You can have some, some uh, Duke's mayonnaise. It's fine. There's fat in it. You need some fat. And I would have joyfully received what they had. <laughs> but it would not have led me to the life that I was seeking. You know, it's all fun, but I mean, in serious, y'all, I like me some sweet tea. But I have to decide, which do I like more? Sweet tea and dukes or life in abundance so that I can live a long and prosperous life and go, therefore, into all the nations? You see, before I can make disciples, I have to disciple me. I have to be disciplined. Well, how did Mr. Y'all have got to see... Y'all have got to see the picture of Mr. Bobby. There were like two of him mashed together in one. You would not believe it. And not only that, but he had like his Fu Manchu mustache. It don't even look like him. He showed it to me, and I made him promise that it was him. Because it don't even look like him. He was half the man he was before. Literally. Now, obviously, he's leveled up in spiritual manhood, but physically speaking, he has set his eyes on the goal of life and life in abundance, on living and not dying. 
And because he set his sights on life, he could then impart life into me. If I'm going to be able to impart the life of God into others, I've got to disciple myself. So I ask you, like the old lady said, I came to see my Jesus. What are you here for? You're here for Matthew 28, 19. You're here to disciple yourself so that you can lead others to life and life in abundance. You're here for a purpose. I don't care if your parents said you were a surprise, a mistake, planned, or if you were even born in un, you know, unlovely circumstances. Products of rape, there's life within them. Products of unwed extracurricular activities, there's marriage, or there's, there's life in that child. If they are breathing, y'all just saw the breath of God. There's life within every person walking, but we're called to lead them to that life and life in abundance because there's a purpose for their life. And that takes disciplining us. You know, in um, John 12, it's the story of what's called Jesus' triumphal entry. And this is when Jesus was walking into Jerusalem for the very last time. It was Palm Sunday, the very last time before he went to the cross. And in John 12, 20 and 21, it said, Now there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Y'all, I read that this week, and I don't know if you saw my post on it, but I'm like, it brought me to tears. I mean, I live a life of ministry, but yet that just, it hit me in the guts. When people see me, when people see you, do they see someone so connected to God that they know if they can get to you, they can get to him? Is that the life we live? Do we live a life like what Abigail was talking about? Pastor Brian was friends with the security guard because Pastor Brian is Pastor Brian. He's going to love the paint off of a wall. It don't matter what it looks like. And so, therefore, he knows everybody. The reason my kid wants to be at the end so she can talk a lot is because she's a pastor's daughter. But she had that connection. She knew if she could get close to her ditty, she could get close to Brother Jesse and Sister Kathy. Do people see that in us? Do they come up to us in the store? Do they send us text through the week? Can you pray for me? Because I know if you pray, God will hear your prayers. And we want to teach them God hears your prayers too. But what an honor that they see Jesus within us, that they know if I can get them praying, I'll get answers. What an honor. What a testimony of Philip. We need to look to see Jesus clearer, 
closer and more deeply. So closely that the Holy Spirit within us enables us to introduce him to everyone around us. So what happens when we set our eyes on Jesus? I am so glad you asked. Y'all are just doing so good at pulling things out of me today. I got four points for you. You ready? I got four points. Are you ready? I think they're meditating on Jesus. I know that's what it is. They're ruminating on what it was I spoke about. Four things happen when you set your sights on Jesus. One, it protects us from just going through the motions. Who did this? You heard the story of Martha and Mary? Jesus came in. Martha is just honored. She sees the magnitude of this visitor. She sees the opportunity to pour into him. I get to serve Jesus. But Mary sees Jesus. You see, Martha looked, what an honor for me to get to serve him. She wanted to feed Jesus, but she hadn't set her sights on Jesus so much that she saw what Jesus was bringing to feed her. Instead, she went through the motions. Oh, we have a visitor. Let me go serve them. And then she gets frustrated. I know y'all have never done this. I'm over here slaving away. They're sitting on their butts. We got a football party going on tonight. I'm cooking. I'm cleaning. He's over there in the recliner flipping the channels. Kids upstairs tearing up the house. Well, I'm down here slaving away. Girl, don't you know I just cleaned that bathroom five minutes ago. Now there's makeup all over the sink. Getting frustrated because we're going through the motions. This is what Martha did. She looked at Mary. Don't you know who we have? Why aren't you up here helping me? And Mary's like, don't you see who's here? I'm not leaving his side. You see, when we see him, it's impossible to go through the motions. You're going to have to do life. You're going to have to do work. But when we just focus on the day-to-day stuff, when we just focus on the grind, we start living in the mundane. It's like, you know, we eat, sleep, poop, bathe, rinse, repeat, you know? We get up the same time every morning. We do the same, fix the meals, you know, lunches for whoever every morning. We go to work, same job as every morning. Same co-workers every morning. We leave work at 5 o'clock. We go to the same house with the foundational cracks in the wall, the toilet that you got to, like, hold down the little thing to make it actually flush. Same teenager's bedroom with stinky shoes. The same yard where the grass won't grow. The same spouse with the same nagging questions every day. The same kids. Mama do this. Daddy do that. You know they won't even let you pee alone. And if they do let you pee alone, the dog won't let you pee alone. (laughs) Y'all, I am telling you right now, I am so excited for Pastor to get home 
Because if Rachel is not petting our dog and Luke is not running around tearing up the house with the dog, that dog right here. My shadow don't stick to me this close. I can't walk because of this 70-pound black lab all at my feet. She misses her daddy. And if I just look through the eyes of the mundane, you get so tired of the same life day after day after day. And this is when somebody goes, there's got to be more to life than this. There is! Because when you set your sight on Jesus, you get to get up every morning and breathe oh, the life of God. If you live in North Carolina right now, it's oh, the sound of day 653 of rain. <laughs> oh, when my flowers finally get to grow, man, they're going to be beautiful. I get to go to work. Y'all work for Johnny and I right now is so funny. I've gone to the same job for 13 years, but yet for the last three years, Johnny and, I, Johnny and I have had three different owners. You know, and it's, it's ironic because you, you can be this person just two minutes ago of there's got to be more to life. It's the same day in, day out, nothing ever changes or you can be Johnny and I and it's like change after change after change and as much as people say nothing ever changes when you put change in front of them it's like you know and it's like the brakes come on and they're backpedaling and it's like can we stop this change but I get to go to work and I get to be in the office and Johnny gets to be out in the field between the two of us, we got that place covered. Because we get to go to either Alcoa or Cube Hydra or Eagle Creek, whichever one you want to call us. I just say the artist formerly known as Alcoa. We get to go there. We get to be the light. We get to be the joy. When people come up and they're like, oh. What do you think this one's going to bring with it? You know these people are Canadians. They're not even American. And corporate, y'all, corporate Yankees. <laughs> y'all, I promise you it's not that. It's not me that said that. Somebody else brought that to me and you know what I got to do I got to say I know isn't it great we're gonna infiltrate them with the blessings of God we're gonna bless their heart every day I went to a meeting up in Bethesda and our former CEO he's they're doing the changing of hands last month and so I went to his farewell luncheon thing and he was introducing me to people, and he goes, and this is Nicole. She's our HR manager, and I don't care what you do, what you say to her. She is going to be very polite. She's going to say ma'am. She's going to say sir. It's not like an insult. Like, this girl is 
always, like, and he stresses it, always polite. Well, hallelujah. I finally got through to somebody. And so I was excited. And so he introduced me, and I shook the hand. I was like, yes, ma'am, nice to meet you. And she goes, you really are really sweet, huh? And I'm going, oh, just ask my husband. But when I put on the lens of Jesus in the morning, I see 240 people that I get to shine the light of Jesus on. I see the opportunity to make yet another change be easy and light for those around me. Then I get to go home, and I see my spouse, and I see the ring on his finger, and I'm reminded of what that ring means. You see, man may mess up. They may break covenant. But this ring symbolizes a covenant. And then I think about the covenant that God made with me. And I think about the symbolism of that ring upon his finger. Day in and day out, my Jesus loves me. He loved me when I was nice to Verizon, and he loved me when I wasn't nice to the other people. He loves me on the days when I pray, and he loves me on the days when I snooze 12 times. Because he made a covenant with me. I became his. He can't pull me out. You see, because once you become a part of the body of Christ, there is no amputation. There is no cutting of covenants. It's make a covenant and he stands. And because of that love that I've received from God, I look at my husband with the eyes of the covenant love of God and I think, wow, I get to be one with this man. I get to be one with him on the days when he blesses my socks off. And I get to be one with him on the days when I want to wring his neck. But he's mine. He's mine. What an honor. Every little girl grows up thinking of a beautiful wedding and the perfect house, and the perfect life. And she opens her windows and sings, la, 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 la. And the birds come, and the fawns frolic in the field. And marriage ain't nothing like that. It's better. Because all of that's a fairy tale that is hogwash. But marriage is doing life together. Marriage is loving each other day in and day out when the birds poop on your window and somebody kills the deer in your yard and leaves it there. Marriage is a beautiful covenant bond. And when I look and I set my sight on Jesus, I see my kids. I see them standing up here doing tithes and offerings. I see them back there serving so that the word of God can go out to nations. I see them giving their time even when they're not supposed to. When they're supposed to be receiving, I see them day in, day out giving without complaint. 
I hear, Mommy, do this. Mommy, do that. And I think of the days that I prayed and I longed to hear the words, Mommy, be addressed to me. I think of the days that they were growing within my womb and I longed to hold them tight, to kiss their cheeks, to tie their shoes, to buy them 12 pairs of pants in a month because they won't stop growing. What an honor it is. And there will come a time, my granny promises me, when life will slow down and you will get to pee in private. I don't know what age that happens, but apparently, eventually it happens. But for today, I look at them and I see the breath of God in them. I see the call of God upon them. And I see that I'm the one he chose to raise them up. He chose me to be their mom, to teach them about him, to love on them, to hold their hands, to dry their tears, to hear their laughter. I was the one chosen for that. And when I set my sight on Jesus, I see people not as somebody in my way, not as one more person to smile, nod. Instead, I see people of value, people of worth, people with a call upon their lives, people with a purpose running through their veins. And I see the opportunity to plant a seed or to water somebody else's seed or to harvest a seed because I see God in them. Because, see, when I set my sights on Jesus, God is all I see. So when I listen to the minister that has nothing to give, I still hear Jesus. When I listen to the worship team that messes up, I still hear Jesus. When I see the person in the car that cuts me off, I still see Jesus. Because I see a person who may have had a bad day and need somebody to pray for them. Why are they in such a hurry that they don't even realize they just put their life at risk? And I love on them. I mean, I know I joke about my driving and oh, I'm still repenting, but I'm getting better because I see Jesus more and more in them. But it takes communing with him like Mary did. When we have our sight, Set on Jesus, it protects me from human disappointment. Have y'all ever had an expectation of people only to have them do the exact opposite thing that you just knew they were going to do? Like you come home and you know somebody's going to have taken out the trash. And you walk in, no, they didn't take out the trash. They just stacked stuff on top of the trash can lid. And kept it going. And you're frustrated. This is human disappointment. I was thinking about this. <laughs> and I was thinking about examples. And I was like, you know, Lord, if pastors walked in the spirit, 
I mean, walked in the flesh instead of the spirit, like day in, day out will be human disappointment. Because people walk in the door and it's like, oh, hallelujah, this is the church I've been looking for. Y'all know I've been starving at first, you know, Church of Lincoln Street over there. They weren't feeding me, but man, since I got here, mm, it is good stuff. I just love this church. I love the people. I love you, Pastor. We're going to be there forever. I'm going to bury my family out back in the graveyard. We're going to serve where you need us, Pastor. All sorts of promises and expectations, and you're like, woohoo! There's people to go and help harvest the fields, to do the loving, to do the serving. And then, like, three months later, it's like, where have they been? This is the life of pastors. And if we walked in the flesh, it would be real easy to be disappointed day after day. But instead, we've set our sight on Jesus. And when someone walks through the door, we see Jesus in them. Y'all have heard me talk about it before. We had somebody, and I kid you not, we had somebody bust up in here with the outfit straight out of Pretty Woman. Like, I realize some of y'all ain't seen that. I'm not supporting this movie. Don't go see it. But for those of you who hadn't seen it, let me tell you. At the beginning, Julia Roberts is a hooker. Her skirt is like here, right here. And it's a one piece that goes up, and the side on each side is cut out. Like pretty much all this thing is is a table or a napkin wrapped around her tatas and her cooney noonie, and that's about all there was. And let me tell you, when we were at the old church on First Street, she walked up in there and I said, I've seen that outfit. <laughs> and it won't at the Wally World. But what did we see in her? We saw Jesus. Here's a young lady who's hungry enough for Jesus that even dressed like a hooker, she'll come to seek him. Hallelujah that she is there. We got people five minutes down the road that won't get off their big bahonkuses and come into his house. But here's a young lady bold enough to seek him, even if that's all she has. You got the people that are here at church, like the CEO Christians are here for Christmas and Easter only. Praise God, because there's Jesus in them. And it's at least twice a year we get the opportunity to pour Jesus into them. And so when we set our sights on God, we don't see the junk. You know, when you set your sight on God, for me, it was getting past insecurities. Pastors told the story of how when we first met, like, talking to y'all was not going to happen. Had I known this was going to happen, I'd have run and hid, changed my address, changed my phone number, changed my name. I wouldn't have cut my hair because you ain't going to cut my hair. But, you know, I'd have put on a ball cap or something and run from the idea of having to do public speaking. Because that means you're looking at me. And the thought physically made me nauseous. And cry. Insecurity out the yin-yang. Why? Because I was looking to me. That's what insecurity is. Insecurity is looking to self. 
Offense is looking to self. Y'all, I can't even believe they had the audacity to hang up on me. I am Verizon's customer. I'm trying to give them money. Don't they know I got 240 employees? We can give them lots of businesses. How dare they hang up on me? I take offense when I look at me. I get insecure when I look at me. Anger, anger is rooted in fear. What's fear? Fear is looking at me. I'm angry that it'll never change because I'm fearful that it'll never change because I'm looking to me and how I will feel if it never changes. But when I set my sight on Jesus, it doesn't depend on me. Y'all coming up here this morning, even still, I've overcome the insecurities of then, but public speaking still makes me nervous. Every Sunday doing tithes and offerings, like I have to put down the flesh. I'm a renewed spirit. That old scared girl is not there anymore, but I have a flesh that wants to say, what if you mess up? They're not going to like you as much as pastor. And then I, you know, I shake y'all's hands on the way out. And it's like, how long till pastor's back? <laughs> Five days. <laughs> or y'all stand up here. Y'all want to know about putting the flesh down? Y'all stand up here and preach when public speaking isn't, hasn't been your forte. And look at the faces of people. And you know what I have to do? I look right over y'all's head and I see Jesus. <laughs> but when you look to Jesus, I'll see Jesus in you. When I look to Jesus, I don't care if you're looking at me like a coward in Newgate. Praise the Lord. I see Jesus in you. When you're messing on your phone, I know you ain't looking at a scripture. I ain't giving a scripture in eight minutes. But I see Jesus. When you look to Jesus, you will not be offended. You will not be insecure. You will not be angry. And so let that be your challenge of the week. When somebody starts to tick you off, when the wife doesn't do what you want her to do, husband, or wife, when the husband don't do what you want him to do, the kids, you know, oh, how dare they? I gave them life. I'll take it away. <laughs> look to Jesus. Because it's when those things rise up, you'll hear my voice in your head going, why are you mad? You're looking at yourself, ain't you? I'm looking forward to hearing the testimonies. I heard your voice today, Pastor Nicole. <laughs> oh, when our sight is set on Jesus, it keeps us from pride. Oh, you know pride should be a four-letter word. Micah 6.8 tells us, He has told you, O oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? When your eyes are on Jesus, you realize, I can't do anything. 
when your eyes are on Jesus, I realize I can't give you this message unless he's empowered me to. I can't help you in counseling unless he's first given me the wisdom to do it. The job you do, you may be the best one there. Johnny may be the best power division mechanic in all of Eagle Creek, but it's because God empowered him with that ability and with that wisdom. He gives us the innovative ideas because it's him flowing through us. Without him, we're nothing. And y'all, even insecurity is pride. David Hogan taught me that when he ticked me off. He sat there, he's a missionary out in Mexico, and I'm watching one of his preaching, and he starts talking about worship. People that won't raise their hands, and that was me, like this is me during worship. I wasn't opening my mouth, raising my hand, you out of your ever loving mind. This is me. And David Hogan had the audacity to say, why won't you raise your hands? You're scared people are going to look at you. They ain't there to see you. They're there to see Jesus. Stop being so prideful. Oh, y'all, the redhead in me. Like, it rose up. I'm going, how dare he call me prideful? He don't even know me. Like, I'm like the least prideful person in the world. I don't want you looking at me. And God said, they ain't. And you, can't argue, you can argue with David Hogan all day long, but you can't argue with Holy Spirit. So I put my tail between my legs, and I went back, and on Sunday, I sang. I actually moved my lips. Patted my leg for a few weeks. And then it was... Y'all know I look like Forrest Gump, it's like... Making myself look even more dumb because I'm thinking about myself. Mm. The only question that I needed to ask is not, what do you think of me? If you get something out of today, wonderful, because it's God's message to you. But I don't care what you think of me. I understand pastor is a much better preacher. I like him much better. But the question I need to ask is, did I take my sight and set it on God and leave room for the Holy Spirit to flow through me? I don't need you to like me. I need you to receive what God has for you. And number four, when our sight is set on Jesus, it keeps us from fearing the storms. Y'all know, when the storms raged and the disciples were freaking out, oh, Lord, we're going to die. Elizabeth, I'm coming for you. <laughs> you young people won't get that one. But some of us, oh, Barrett knows it. There's hope for the younger generation. And the word doesn't promise that they will never have the storms. The disciples have given up everything to do life with Jesus, and yet here comes a raging storm. These were fishermen, y'all. 
Like they've seen storms. They've been on the boat in storms. And yet here are these fishermen freaking out. This should give you a visual of what kind of storm it was. Enough that it's got fishermen shaking in their monk boots. And yet they see Jesus. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come out. And Jesus says, come on, here I am. And while, G while Peter's eyes were set, while his sight was set on Jesus, he became the very thing he beheld. He stepped outside that boat, and he walked on water like his king. It was only the minute he took his eyes off his Savior that he began to drown. You don't need to fear the storms. The storms are subject to you. You can either walk on the raging sea or command it to shut up. Either way, the power is within you when you set your sights on Jesus. How awesome is that? When you set your sight on Jesus, you will become the very thing you behold. I was, we were watching, Luke has this habit at night, or tradition, whatever. We either read a Bible story or we watch a super book episode. And super books like Christian cartoon. And we were watching one, and he said, Mama... Why did Eve do that? Because we were watching the one where she ate the fruit. He's like, why did Eve do that? Didn't she know she was already like God? And I'm like, oh, he gets it. Why can't some of us get that? And I'm talking to myself. I hunger and thirst for all these great things, not realizing it's all right here. All I've got to do is look to Jesus. Because it's there. There's nothing that can overtake you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Y'all, that says no weapon formed. That means any weapon that's starting to be built, it won't prosper. And if no weapon starting to be built will prosper, then you know the ones that try to come against you won't prosper because God said, I've already knocked them out from the get-go. From the inception of the wedding or the weapon, I have stripped it of its power. And I have placed that power within you. When your sight is set on Jesus, you see your strength. You see your source. You see everything you need. What's your fear today? What's the tactic of the enemy that he's been using? Bills? Lord, I'm drowning in debt. I am your supply. Lord, my family, they done lost it, and, like, they're all nuts. They won't, won't talk to me. I am your family. God, my job keeps changing year after year. How long until I just don't have a job at all? Go into all the world. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all things will be added to you. What's the thing that's been causing you fear today? Take your eyes off of it and set it. Set it on Jesus. Then what's your next step? Rest 
and rejoice. Praise him. We sang a song, or Barrett said something about shedding off the garment of uh, heaviness and picking up the garment of praise. How do you praise in the storm? How do you not? How do you not praise in the storm? Because you know if there's a storm, God is about to show up and show out. Because you're there. He doesn't have a choice because it says he's not a respecter of persons because his word says he'll never leave you nor forsake you because his word says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The storm can't knock me off. The storm will just be another reason for God to show up in my life. How do you not praise him when the bill comes? Lord, woo-hoo, you got mail. Pay it, daddy. And then you get excited. <laughs> See that? Daddy got my bill. Yeah. It's like we go to the store. Luke's like, Mommy, can I have that? Why does he ask that? Because I've said yes way too many times. God's answer is yes and amen. William, if you'll play some music lightly in the background. You know, I've got a little brother, Derek. He says, if you find a Ford broken down, just leave it on the side of the road. But every once in a while, a Chevy will break down. And how do you fix it? You take it to the Chevy dealer. The answer is always in the creator. What area of your life do you feel broken today? What area of your life do you realize, eesh, not really looked to Jesus there. Is it insecurities? Maybe insecurities in your friends, in your marriage, in your abilities to be who God's called you to be. Is it insecurities when you go out and you pump gas and you see that person there? You know God is telling you, go pray for them. Go give them 20 bucks. But, Lord, I got a bill. Maybe it's the bills that seem to never stop. And your eyes have been so set on those bills that you're about to work yourself to death. What is the area that you need to take it to the creator? Close your eyes right now. And in your spirit, I want you to start praising him. Praise him for who he is. Praise him for everything he's done for you. Praise him for everything he's done in you. Praise him for everything he's done through you. Then ask him, Lord, what's my area? What is it that I've not looked to you as my source? Where is it, Lord? that I need to set my sight. If there's an area right now where you need to set your sight, it's just a decision.
before we do that, if there's anybody that has not made Jesus their Lord, let's do that right now. Because if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you won't really allow him to save in every area. So be it, I've never made him my Savior. I made him my Savior, but I walked away. Or I really just don't know if he is or not. Raise your hand and let me pray for you. I see those hands. Thank you. All right, so let's all pray. Keep your heads bowed, every eye closed, but let's all pray together. Father God, I believe that Jesus is your son. He died for me. And when he arose, I arose with him. I choose to make him the Lord of my life. He calls the shots, and I obey. Jesus, my heart is yours. Praise you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, keep your eyes closed, because we're all there. To say you don't have an area there is to get your eyes off Jesus, even in that statement, and to walk in pride. Every one of us have an area where we need to look to him more. And I'm going to pray as we close out. And you're going to choose the same way I picked up those glasses and I saw clearly in ninth grade. You're going to choose to take on the lens of Jesus and you're going to set your sight upon him. And the next time you look at that issue, you're not going to see the issue. You're going to see God working in that issue. The next time you see that person, you're not going to see the problem. You're going to see God in them. Father, right now, we repent for not setting our eyes on you in these areas of our life. Lord, we thank you that that day, be it today or before, when we made you our Savior, we also made you our Lord. And Lord, right now, we choose to make you Lord in every area of our lives. Father, you tell us to cast our cares on you because you care for us. So, Lord, we cast our cares at your feet. And no longer do we look at those cares. No longer do we look at the lies and the deception of the enemy because we will not take our eyes off of your son for one minute, Lord. The truth and freedom is in his hands, and that's all we can see. Lord, we set our sight on you today. Insecurities are gone now in Jesus' name. Fear and depression, anxiety is gone now in Jesus' name. We are people of joy and praise. Not because we've had it all together, but because Jesus has it all together and we are following him to victory. Because he leads us to victory. Anger is gone now 
in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that we shed the garment of heaviness and we put on the garment of praise. Lord, remind us each and every morning as we step out of bed and we choose to get dressed for the day, remind us to choose to put on that garment of praise that no matter what the enemy throws at us, it doesn't change your word. No matter the lies he whispers, it doesn't change your truth. No matter what our eyes may see, we will behold your provision. Father, we thank you for this. Thank you, Lord, that our lives from this moment forward will never be the same. Because no longer will we let the enemy distract us. We see his tactic and we call him on it. Game up. We've done one, and we will not be convinced of anything less than victory in Jesus. Father, we thank you for this. We take hold of it, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love y'all. <laughs>